0: The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And Joanne Mercer. Hello, Joanne. Hello, hello. Uh, before we get started, I have a little anecdote. I, I usually go for a daily walk in my neighborhood each morning, and that I can't. And uh, I've noticed a couple things recently. One, a lot of for, there's not really technology, but a lot of my neighbors are doing spring cleaning or something because there are a lot of dumpsters and driveways. But two, <laughs> I think I know what a, what technology a lot of my neighbors are buying with their stimulus checks because <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of TV boxes out on the curb. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's just kind of fascinating. Like, what is it that people turn? What what big tech purchase do people turn to when they get extra cash in their pocket? I, I I suppose I would have I guessed TV. I mean. Yeah, I, I would say most, most
1: people, you know, assuming they're not buying an appliance of some sort. Right. You know, right. like a dishwasher, or a fridge or something like that. Um, yeah, a TV, computer. I think those are right. probably the two big ones that, you know, they're going to upgrade their computer or upgrade their TV.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or, or any other appliance now because you're home more. You right. start to notice things are not as they should be. So some of those TVs, well, maybe they still work well. Want a little upgrade because you're watching them a little bit more. <laughs> that's true. I, I know we're replacing a microwave that's starting to, mm-hmm. you know, go mm-hmm. south because we're home so much. So,
0: yep, yep, that's true. That's true. Actually, I have a repairman coming in for my dishwasher soon because a brand new oh, dishwasher, by the way, which like it's it's only like it it just predates the like, we have, we bought it with our tax refund Uh and. Mm-hmm. You know, we have seven people here all day, every day. So there's lots of dishes, <laughs> but it's, so it's all, using it's already like the buttons are already on the control panel They're already breaking That's a whole nother thing. It's covered by the warranty, but I'm 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 annoyed by it. But yeah, that's a whole yeah. nother
2: <laughs> that's a whole nother me.
0: podcast. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about this one. Father, Corey, I have to say uh, your the last time we were together. You talked about yep. you building your Hackintosh. That got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people are interested in this topic. Uh, very surprising. We should do this more often.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting topic. I mean, yeah, and, and by the way, it's still running beautifully. I'm sitting here looking at it, and it's doing its job quite beautifully.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> uh, um, I'll, I'll be curious when you start putting the big updates on it. The, how that goes through. We'll we'll come back yeah. to that when when you do. But we did get a couple specific. Uh, feedback from listeners that, that I thought might be interesting to discuss. They have some questions to, to follow up. So mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. one comes from a uh, listener, Richard, who sent an email who said uh, he's built many Hackintosh machines and says, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that you have to be ready to be your own tech support. You also mentioned you have to have access to a real Mac in order to get the OS and other setup files uh father mentioned upgrades which leads me to another discovery i made over the years yes you can run mac os on amd processors and more importantly yep. for gamers nvidia graphics cards you just have to get extremely geeky uh f- wanna respond to that bit
1: yeah i agree with that i realized that after i you know focused on intel that i found out that you can get it on amd cuz for a long time you couldn't at all it just would not work on amd processors whatsoever just don't even bother trying it won't boot yeah. Uh, but they've since fixed that. Um, NVIDIA, yeah, NVIDIA was used by Apple for quite a while, actually. If I'm not mistaken, my old oh, yeah. uh, iMac, which is a 2009 iMac, used an NVIDIA chip, if I remember. Which, frankly, I've used NVIDIA for years. I love NVIDIA. NVIDIA was the first to really support Linux well. Yep. So I've got kind of a fondness for NVIDIA. So I think, me, depending on it, I might use uh, an NVIDIA chip when I upgrade my video card.
0: You know, when that changed, when Apple switched from NVIDIA to ATI, and now they do Intel internal, uh, you know, in- integrating mm-hmm. graphics, it changed when NVIDIA inadvertently leaked a new Mac before the announcement. And Steve oh, Jobs yes. was so mad that he said, no more NVIDIA graphics. And
1: and, <laughs> Matt and Apple has a long memory. We, we've talked about this yep. before, I think, where tech agencies like a uh, twit network yep. does not get invited to Apple events because they criticized Apple after an event. Right. And I think it was Steve jobs said,
0: Nope. Yep. That guy's so. blacklist and Steve jobs is long gone, but his, his, his blacklist lives on
1: <laughs> and being added to. So now yeah. I can understand that. But, uh, so yeah, it's actually, it is good to hear that. I forgot about the NVIDIA actually being supported. Uh, still you do have to mm-hmm. work with it though. Yeah, uh, it like he a- points out though, yeah. uh, Apple does kind of play cat and mouse with the right Hackintosh community with stuff like this. But it is possible. It is very possible.
0: Now, he did bring up uh, another point, uh, which is uh, worth talking about. He says, I'm surprised you didn't mention, or did I miss it, that running macOS on your own hardware is a copyright violation. Nobody's going to kick down your door, but I wonder how Father reasons that. He's using a lot of people's work, their jobs, and not paying for it by buying the hardware. I'm not accusing. I honestly like to know, since it's bothered me when building one. What, what do you think? How do you address that, Father?
1: Well, I think I did. I didn't say copyright, because I don't know if you could technically call it a copyright violation. You can call it a term of service violation. I think I did right. specifically say that. Uh, I tried to listen to the, the episode, and I couldn't remember for sure if, if I had said that specifically. It is a term of service violation from Apple. Is Apple going to sue over it? Again, most likely not. It's such right. a small community. It's such a small group. Um, is it stealing? You know, and that's, this is the perpetual argument of software since the since the first you know floppy disk was invented. Is this stealing people's work? Now, some of macOS is open source. The right. kernel is still open source. Other parts aren't. The GUI and so on. Um, so this is this is kind of the perpetual argument. Um, I, I, and you know, I, I, I justify it for myself because I have two Apple computers sitting here, one of which still is up to date. So, um, uh, yeah, it, this is this is like the thing of if you buy a copy of Microsoft Office, can you put it on two computers instead of just one if it's only licensed for one is how yeah. I look at it again for mine, because I have a license for one copy of Catalina using a second copy. Am I still doing it? I don't know. Right.
0: Does Apple specifically license the operating system to whatever hardware that you have purchased? That's a it's a trick. It's I don't think it's a cut and dried either legal question or moral question like you. I don't think it's cut and dried. Um, I think I think if you have an Apple machine sitting there that you can install the software on, I think that's morally I think you're okay Uh, I'm not I'm not going to definitively say one way or the other, but. I don't I don't know that it would drive me to confession. That would feel like a little a little bit scrupulous to to worry too much. I mean much obviously about it. but by the, the fact that
1: I did it and I'm talking about it. Yeah. I you know, I don't see myself being on, you know, completely immoral grounds. It, yeah. it, it it's it's a discussion I think is gonna go on until the parousia basically until Jesus yeah. returns. Right. You know, we're, 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 we're going to be, I can guarantee you, you know, on the enterprise D they're arguing <laughs> about whether or not it's, you know, they can make a copy of the system files for the computer. Maybe you know. this is
0: why, you know, whenever they download data, it means that it doesn't mean they're making a copy. They are actually downloading.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the solution to it. It's like, you know, you can't have a copy. It's, it's against the terms of service to have a copy of the, the doctor hologram. So we have to copy, we have to just move the copy from one system to the other.
2: You know, I I find it extremely amusing because you're dealing with an issue that musicians have been dealing with for years Mm -hmm. where we make copies to do page turns. And a lot of people have said, well, you should buy a second copy. Well, church musicians don't get paid a lot to begin with. So, I mean, making a copy to make a page turn or to blow it up when your eyes go bad, you're still using that copy. You're still using the copy you paid for. Now, if you have a Mac at home, already a real one then i'm i'm with you i mean it's, it's well, an it's, age-old problem you only it, get blood from a stone so many times
1: well it's funny you mentioned music because organ catholic press ocp one of the, for those who don't know is one of the big church publishers i mean mm-hmm. one of the big catholic church publishers, probably the biggest they uh they actually said all our all our music is free to use for live stream for a year for with a year. all this covid <laughs> stuff going on so th- they gave permission for a year, which means if you do it after this point, do you have to pay them licensing fees to do a live stream mass
0: with their music? Yeah. And again, Yay. this
1: is that where we get into that debate is, you know, I would I would personally say no. I pay for your misalettes. I pay a lot of money every year for your misalettes. You've gotten your money. I'm not right. paying more money to put it on a live stream. And if you don't like that, guess what? We've got 2000 years of chant. I'll go to instead. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and those so anyways, are anyways, that's a whole they long discussion.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, uh, I'll, I'll use a Protestant uh, hymnal. <laughs> so- <laughs> That'll allow you to do it. So anyways, yeah. so
2: that, that's,
1: that's kind of my answer is, is, it really is. It's, it's one of these things that people have argued about for a very long time. and will continue to argue about. And you know, if, if Apple called me tomorrow, if Apple legal called me tomorrow or sent me a letter tomorrow saying cease or desist, then I probably would remove it. Right. Do I see that happening?
0: No, no. no. I, again, it's Apple's, not worried, about
1: yeah. Apple's right. not worried about me. Apple's not worried about me.
0: No, they are not. If you were turning out a thousand copies of that Hackintosh yeah. and selling them online, that might be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were selling even onesie twosies online, they might come after you, but you're not. Well, you're building up your own purpose. Purposes, yeah. yeah,
1: and and there are people who build systems that are hackintosh capable, yeah, but you still have the buyer still has to go through the steps of downloading and right. installing. Exactly.
0: So, I I liken it to when I was ripping my DVD, my CDs, not DVDs, so my CDs years ago, you know, before Apple Music and all that stuff. I had I owned the disc, um, and I ripped it to my computer and put it in a bucket in my shed. Um, and yeah. I, I own the, I own the disc, you know, it's my thing. And if, you know, that's, if someone cared, I'd ha- I could show them the disc. It's no different yep, exactly. than making a, a mixtape. So, uh, yep. I, I think, I think, uh, we're on good ground there. So Rich uh, thank you, Richard, for that, uh, yes. that email. And, and thank you. He mentions that he's a Patreon supporter and thank you very much, uh, for being yes, a Patreon you. supporter. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, our next comment comes from uh, Facebook, where listener John writes uh, regarding Hackintosh for audio and video editing. If you want to tinker, build an AMD based machine with an NVIDIA graphics card, even building with two year old technology, you'll get more bang for your buck. Uh, and I think he means an AMD with NVIDIA for, w- on Windows. I think he's he, he in, he's um, hinting at Windows because he says if you're a super creative type, completely committed to the Mac ecosystem, that won't work for you. But if you're a an mm-hmm. nuts and bolts person trying to get everyday audio and video work done, I believe it's a much more practical path to take that comes with lots more options in the future. And
1: I, I've built AMD systems in the past. My my uh, actually one of the things as I'm packing to move to a new assignment is yeah. getting rid of things. And one of the things I'm gonna get rid of is my old uh, pro, my old uh, seminary computer computer okay. I built when I was at seminary, and it was the AMD Athlon 64. Oh wow! So. I've had AMD's, you know, this and that was back when the AMD 64 Athlon 64 was the chip. That was right. back when AMD just beat Intel badly in yeah. the 64 chip market, which is yeah. why it's still considered the AMD 64 platform, x86 AMD 64 platform. But uh so I I I've I i i am very familiar with AMD. I c- kind of wanted Intel because AMD's slipped they're not as good as they used to be. They had, yeah. they had their time and they're kind of running second fiddle again. So yeah. that's my opinion.
0: And, and as far as like, you know, I think the question, I, I interpreted it as a question saying, why build a Hackintosh when you can build an inexpensive Windows uh, box that can do the same thing? But there's something about like Windows has come a long way. I, as a oh, yes. dyed in the wool Apple guy who still bleeds rainbow colored apples, uh, I <laughs> I I I will acknowledge that Windows machines are much better than they used to be but I think oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's just Mac prejudice to say that the Mac is still superior mm-hmm. for for a lot I think you know I well, you know I I just feel like if I'm going to put this machine if, if, if one thing if I'm going to put this machine in front of someone who is not a, a Mac I mean a computer nerd I want something that's easy to use and that I can work with remotely, especially yep. to fix. Um, when my, when my wife got, when my wife and I got married, she had a Dell laptop and that thing. I hated that thing. And <laughs> the first chance I got, I converted her to Mac. Cause I said, if this marriage is going to work, you need to be on the same platform. I am. <laughs> and she's like, I don't care. Just give me just, just, I just need to just computer. like, you do
1: what I need to do. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, but or- so I don't know. I mean there are... Windows is better, but i don't I still don't think it's there for for it's still clunky there's use. still yeah. issues mm-hmm. it still
1: it still doesn't look as good the, the font choices that Microsoft continues yes. to make in Windows is not as polished their font system I don't think is as polished yeah the, you know Mac does a lot more of the anti aliasing and things like that than windows does, and as as i said i'm you know I'm committed to the Mac platform as i'm as we're sitting here recording this, I'm using. Audio Hijack to record my audio. Oh, yeah. Because I've been doing that for a while. Dom got me on it. And you can't get that for Windows. It's only a Mac system. I would have to come up with a new recording system for Windows to do the podcast. Right. And I just, I like Mac. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I built a Hackintosh. I like Macs. I just yeah. don't want to give, I don't want to pay the Apple tax if I can help it.
2: Is it because Windows is, is still, after all this time, just considered a business you know, platform. And so business people really don't care about creative things like Mac users do.
1: I think it's considered a general, general platform.
0: Yeah, it's a general. I think I don't think you can honestly, you can say that business people don't care about gr- the the graphical interface because lots of businesses do audio, video and graphic design yep. or all that sort of stuff. Yep. But I think I think the 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 more accurate way to put it is the vast majority of Windows machines are sold as boxes for big for businesses and and so yep. the operating system and the hardware is aimed at that vast audience at a, a vast general audience whereas Apple aims at a narrower audience and while it I, I I would dare say the Mac could do almost any business function that you can imagine it um, mm-hmm. The the philosophy behind how they approach the solving this particular te- problem, the technology problem, it just comes from two different directions. I I think that's the big the, the big thing. If you like the the Microsoft philosophy and the way they see the world in terms of computing, then the Windows machine is for you. But if you mm-hmm. see the world more like Apple does, then that's the that's the computer for you. I, yeah, I th- I mean I think that's really how it boils down. Yeah,
1: I agree with a lot of that, and it's. It is a difficult thing because, of course, Windows, because it is so much more widely supported, yeah. it's so much easier to, you know, for people. for It's more easier for someone who grew up with Windows to sit down on a Windows system. So that's where you find, you know, the games. That's where you find a lot of the app. You know, it, it's funny where on the phone side, iOS has so many more iOS only apps mm. than Android does. Yeah,
0: it's the but reverse. It's opposite. Yeah,
1: it's, you know the reverse that windows has so many more windows only programs yeah then uh,
0: but the mac the, the mac only programs like you said audio hijack i mean th- there is so many creative really it's almost the, the ecosystem there's so many creative programmers on the mac side that are providing that, yeah. that 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 advantage um even though there's arguably fewer of them um all well, right so i think that uh that i think we should wrap up our discussion there if if anyone else has other questions or anything any other comments regarding Hackintosh, this, this topic, um, Windows-Mac <laughs> argumentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we'd love to yeah. hear from you, Windows folks. You can argue the uh, other side. I'm fine with that. Uh, we'd yep. love to hear from you. And uh, we, if you could send email to technology at sqpn.com, we'll have all the rest of our contact info at the end of the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's move on to our second segment where we're going to talk about uh, this recent Technology hullabaloo in the news mm-hmm. regarding social media and politicians. And uh, I just want to preface it we're, we're going to try to stay away from specific partisan political uh, debate and uh, t- talk about politicians. We want to approach this from a more general viewpoint of what is the role of social media in our society? Uh, what, you know, what can we expect from them? Are they a publisher like a newspaper? Are they a, pl- a a more neutral platform like a bulletin board on a wall? And should politicians be treated differently than the rest of us with regards to their public pronouncements on these platforms? So uh, the president had a, uh, a to do with Twitter over them labeling one of his posts um, with a you know a glorifies violence tag. He issued an executive order which basically threatens. Uh, social media platforms with being um, labeled as publishers under the uh, Communications Decency Act, which would mean that they they the SEC can regulate them regarding these things above with mm-hmm. uh, with regards to uh, fairness to people's speech, just like newspapers or uh, not news- newspapers, but um, public broad- like broadcasters, like TV stations, and and those yep. guys who use the airwaves have to because those are licensed from the federal government. They have to have a viewpoint neutral or at least uh, they have to provide both viewpoints on uh, political issues. In theory, in theory, (laughs) in theory. Yes. Uh, So uh, we don't have to talk about the specifics of the president's executive order because a lot of people are debating whether it's even legal or not. But um, uh, we could bring that. We could get into that if you want. But what Mm. do you think about this? This question of um, is Twitter, Facebook and any other social media platform? Should we consider these to be a publisher or you know because they are moderating, they are labeling things they are um removing certain content um which seems that they're not that if they're moderating, are they just a neutral platform? What do you guys think of this question?
2: I look at these more as platforms than publishers because I guess maybe maybe it's because I'm older and I think that's something that's published. Is being done from a specific point of view, you know, like like um, a book or a newspaper or a magazine. You know, they have a target audience, and this is, um, you know, they're giving you content that goes with this this audience. The social media seems to be a place where people can gather and publish their own, right? But somebody is there as the quote unquote league of decency to make sure that things don't either get out of hand or get too wild for general consumption. So I really look at them more as a, as a platform rather than a publisher.
1: That's kind of been the, the debate for quite a while now, even before our current president yeah. is, you know, issues of should Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube, should they be able to say, we're going to allow this on their platform? We're not going to allow that. And there, there's one article you, you pointed to about, you know, the that there really isn't a distinction between publisher and platform. You know, it's right. kind of it's and it, it's it's one of those hard things because we these companies obviously want to protect themselves. They want to protect themselves from people posting things that are illegal, immoral, um, puts the company violence. in,
0: yeah.
1: you know, yeah. things, things that could could hurt others and things that could, you know. um Yeah, I mean, so they they want to protect themselves, but at the same time they have to walk a very fine line to say we are going to allow this even though other people might find it offensive you right. know or vice versa we are not going to allow this because people find it offensive and that's and that's really i think the bigger issue now whether or not they should be saying this political person whether this side of the argument or that side of the argument said something that is fake news quote unquote or said something that is, you know, could lead someone be uh, a call to call to arms, you know, whether or not they should be doing that. That's I mean, that's the difficult point there, because, you know, and, and, and if a politician did post something that was blatantly illegal. You know, where it's clearly he's crossed this line into illegality. Should that politician be then prosecuted for it? But then what is the responsibility of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, of policing that? Because right. if you and I did it, YouTube would yank it down in a second. Right. Mm-hmm. Facebook would yank it down in a second and they have no remorse to doing it. And rightfully so, you know, perhaps, perhaps not. I don't know. But
0: Right. So there's a question, do, do politicians, do elected officials get treated differently than the rest of us? That's one question. I think, Joanne, to your point about, you know, the difference between a platform and a publisher, I think there's a point, you make a good point that. A publisher curates its content, even if it's taking user content, they're making a decision on which ones to publish, Mm -hmm. whereas social media is about just people publishing what they want. Now, if they start curating, like uh, all, all public, you know, all things of a certain viewpoint get, you know, filtered out or not allowed. That might turn them into a publisher that there's a it's one of these things where you know you these when you start making distinctions, it becomes very difficult sometimes with something's very generic to start making such tight distinctions uh, as an example, I had a conversation with my son my my nine year old son at lunch today, and he asked me w- what's a sandwich like how do you define a sandwich? Well, is a hot dog a sandwich? Well okay, so it's like something in between pizza of bread, okay, is a burrito a sandwich? Well, yes, no, maybe. Um <laughs> if if it's about stuff in between bread is uh is like a samosa a sandwich or a dumpling. Well, no, that's because it's cooked together. Okay. What about like a jelly donut? <laughs> like so yeah. you, like, you start yes, making these is. yeah yeah, yeah like the jelly is put in after it's cooked. Like these are quite like that uh, would be the best sandwich for lunch ever. But you know yes. the, the <laughs> these once you start making these distinctions and I use that example uh, advisedly because there was a famous case in Colorado, I think, where the court had to decide the de- legal definition of a sandwich because I think I, I don't remember time somebody had exactly what it was, but it was bars could serve certain kinds of food limited to sandwiches and that right. sort of thing. And this bar wanted to sell burritos and the, the local gov- government said, no, that's not a sandwich." And, Thus began this legal case. But once you start taking something like everyone knows what a sandwich is and then you start trying to make distinctions, then you you end up like asking questions like, is a jelly donut a sandwich? Which everyone, you know, obviously our preferences aside is obviously not a sandwich. But yet, you know, if you, know, if you start making these distinctions and I think it's a similar thing with these social media platforms, you know, are they a publisher? No, not really. We know they're not really publishers, but uh, are do they sometimes act like publishers? Sometimes I experienced the same thing last summer. If you remember, I I put I posted something on Facebook and had it taken down because it violated community standards. And it was a quote from St. Thomas Augustine about how men can sometimes um, not be their best. I forget exactly. Oh, that's right. You know, yes. Um, And it was something and I I never got an explanation for why it was in what we have violated community standards. Something I the guess was it seemed like it was anti-man, which if anybody knows me is, you know, ridiculous. Um,
1: Yeah, it was something like man at his worst or something. I can't remember. Yeah, man at his worst. uh, Hullabaloo. That was.
0: Yeah. And and it's like and and I I get what what the president is saying is, you know, if if Twitter is going to editorial editorialize and fact check his tweets with disclaimers, that seems to be like their, you know, sometimes these fact checks, as we've seen in a lot of media. Are more mm-hmm. opinions, you know. The yeah, it's your opinion that this is a that this isn't aligned with facts. Uh, you see it all the time. I don't know. It's tricky, and 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 I I don't think we could hash out here in a podcast. But what do you think?
2: No, but, but isn't that like part of their terms of service where things will be checked, and if they're not factual, sure. then they have the right to, you know, tell right. you to take it down. Or it's uh-huh. like YouTube, oh. you know, YouTube sort of curates by, they, they were saying through this COVID-19 crisis that they're going to be doing more automated right. you know, curation rather than, <laughs> rather than human beings. So that created problems because the, the computer is told to look for certain things, and if you see it, pull it down. Right. So, but it's part of their terms of service, so at least they said, this is going to happen, let us know. It's the same thing. If if the terms of service says if you are not factual and you're spreading bold-faced lies that can hurt people, well we're going to want to either tell you to take it down or we're going to put a disclaimer saying you really need to, you know, take this as it, as it looks. I think they have a right to do that if it's already in their terms of service. If it isn't there and they didn't cover their butts for it, then they really don't have a leg to stand on.
0: I think one of the arguments is is like that is if you don't like the way that Twitter's doing business, don't use Twitter. I think people are saying, right. go somewhere else. Uh there are others are arguing that Twitter has reached the point of just like like utilities where it has a virtual, you know, almost a, not a mon- it's not a monopoly, but it has enough of a hold uh, it's become so important to the public discourse that it it has to be treated differently.
1: Well, it's it's become the uh, I've heard the argument that it's become like the public square, right? You know, you, we think you know you, you think a Greek the Greek arguments and philosophy all happen in the public square, and people people are making the argument that today we don't go to the public square and have debates. We don't go to theaters and have debates. We do them online, right? And we have these discussions of political and sociolog sociological and all these other issues that affect our our country, our culture, our world are done online and are done through Twitter and Facebook and all these other social media apps. And that's where I think that's where the concern comes in of does Facebook have the right to play fact police? Right. Does Twitter have the right to play fact police?
0: the 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 analogy would be as if a private company came to your town and set up a public square like well, this is our property but we're inviting people to come in and talk and have debates and talk about the important things to our town and then people start doing that and then after a while they say you know what um we don't want you all to say certain things so some of you can't talk some or you're you're allowed to come here but there're certain things you're not allowed to say and this square this public square has become you know, important. It's become the way that the town communicates, say. Well, you know, that could be of concern to the to the to the local officials. And, and people could say, well, you've you know, you've made this place something necess- necessary for us, for us as a as a community. So we're going to tell you that we're going to regulate you, even though this is your property. I mean, it's a bit of a strained analogy, I know. But there is there is somewhat present to this in other areas where um, a private property became so important to the public good that it was regulated uh, mm-hmm. to allow it to remain uh, good for the most people.
1: So well, and, and well, and people bring up the the analogy of utilities, but with good reason. A lot of our utilities started out as private corporations Putting up the electric grids, putting up the putting in the natural gas lines, et cetera, et cetera, and they got it got to the point where government had to step in and say, okay, you are now a public good. Yes, you are still a private company. Our electric company here is still a privately owned. Right, it used to be actually a publicly owned company, and then they deregulated it and sold it off, and now it's a private corporation that owns our uh, electric grid. But they are heavily regulated. They can't just raise rates just because they feel like it. they got to go through the, the right. public utilities commission and all that kind of stuff to raise rates. And that's, I think that's the argument people are making that these social media have set themselves up as conversation utilities, if you will, public yeah. conversation utilities.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting way of thinking about it. Joanne, do you have anything more to say on that uh, anymore?
2: Uh no I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. I, I we're not going to solve it in uh, in one segment and we'll I'm sure this is <laughs> this is not a, a question that's going to go away. We'll we'll be revisiting this. But again, love to hear from the listener, what do you think about this and you know what's your viewpo- viewpoint on this and do you sometimes feel like um your viewpoint is not welcome in by the publisher or by the operator of a social media platform um and if you have any experiences on, along those lines um, all right, so I want to move on to some headlines that we've got from uh, uh, to, to talk about. The first one is uh, that Hulu and Plex are both rolling out features for watch parties. Uh, this has become a big deal lately with all the, the lockdown. We can't go to the movies with our friends. We can't get together at people's houses to watch a movie. Uh, and I think Facebook started this thing where you could have a watch party with a Facebook video and you could have people watch it together. Uh, but it, it essentially what it does, uh, and there was third-party apps I think that were doing this for Netflix. Uh, so it's essentially the idea is you and your friends and your in your respective homes decide to watch something together, a movie or a TV show, and so it starts at the same time. So you're watching it together and presumably texting each other during the show or what have you uh, about about what's going on. Um, now Hulu looks like um. You can only do this with a $12, with their $12 a month, no ad subscription. So you have to have the top tier uh, subscription. Uh, Plex looks like it, it's in, I saw it pop up on my Plex, uh, I think last night, actually. Uh, so it's available in beta now. And so you can, they recommend like watching it, the the movie or TV show on Plex and then having a Zoom running on the side or on another device. So, you have, so you're talking to each other and you having a chat that way. Um, so what do you guys think of this? Something that you'd consider or...
2: Some, I, I like the idea of, of the zoom on the side only because if I had to sit there and, and type to people, you know, here's what's going on, I'd get tired real fast, <laughs> yeah. but, but I kind of <laughs> like the idea of watching something with other people. Like if I was watching, for example, a Hulu show called The Handmaid's Tale, uh, there's a few of us in my friend group that watch this. And if we were watching it at the same time, I could see the, you know, I, it would be beneficial because then we could. You know, comment on it. But the only problem that happens is people watch TV differently. Yeah. So mm-hmm. some people love to binge four episodes at once, while other people go one at a time at a certain day. So you'd have to find the right group to do this with. But I kind of like the Plex idea.
0: Yeah. Uh, you'd have to also agree on whether you're pausing or not. That's it's like, do we pause, yeah. ever pause the show or not? Oh, Father Corey, yeah. what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I I like this
1: idea, and I was just sitting here thinking, kind of brainstorming secrets of Star Trek, secrets of Doctor Who, watch parties. That could be fun. Ooh, with, where we live comment, where you where the three of us are on Skype, and we live comment.
0: That could be interesting, and have, yeah, and then we can have time. uh uh listeners to the ep- to the shows join us and listen us in and... as we do our live commentary. That can, especially with some of the more interesting, say like Star Trek episodes, <laughs> where we <laughs> like, per, per season TNG um, <clears throat> Star Trek five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, right, maybe we should when we do Star Trek 5 we should do it as a live watch yes, party that, that would be
1: that would be kind of fun to to do it or the three of us try to find a time where we could get together and do it as a live watch party and maybe we could even use like Facebook live or something yeah yeah So that people would you know, people could listen to our stream even if they're not watching the show with us and then we could do our regular episode later that's so, true I mean that sounds like fun no but it is i mean this does i i've seen this starting to pop up a lot more the, the live watches you know of uh-huh. course uh youtube has the premiere
2: mm-hmm.
1: system too where it's kind of similar where you know that you you record your youtube video and then you premiere it and you set a day and time. Is, you, yeah yeah so you, you you record the video you edit you upload it and then you set a time when we're going to premiere it so you could be sitting there in the chat as right. it's Premiering and everybody's watching it kind of at the same time and everything right so it's but, a very similar idea
2: yeah it's true but but can we totally get rid of celebrity watch parties i mean I, <laughs> fox fox has this show and i think they've started to try to do it on cbs where you watch celebrities watch something i have no use for that <laughs>
0: and this, that seems bizarre
1: and uh, this, I, this is yeah. an extension of the 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 uh Reaction videos. I it yes. really See, is.
0: Yes, on YouTube, it's a genre that uh, that I I don't get. But yeah, mm. well, you know what would be really great with this is if they could figure out a way to do this with sports. Where I mean, I suppose we can, oh. I suppose we can already do that, right? We just turn sports yeah. are live. You turn it on and you have Zoom going on the side and you watch it with your yep. friends. I, su- I suppose you don't really need to do anything special with that. I guess um because you know when when there is sports again <laughs> well, god willing so really, you yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be able to go to uh you know to to the to the stadium uh, or, you know the ballpark with with your friends so this would be a way to do that um exactly the, the zoom like a watch party but maybe someone could come up with a way to add some feature to it uh all right so that's cool uh the next one this is interesting so uh the the headline is unimpressed by online online classes students, college students seek refunds. And uh, it's hard <laughs> to blame them. A lot of these students, a lot of college students were and the professors were suddenly thrown into this new world. And they were then sent home and told to take classes online. And I'm sure some professors have done a better job than other professors at this. and And besides, going to college is more than just Sitting in a classroom right that's the whole college experience is what you're getting, and not just the party and I mean like just the intellectual gathering of like minded people to discuss interesting topics you know that sort of stuff i mean that's really what what the the idea of the university you got cardinal Newman has a great uh you know uh, the, the St John Henry Newman has a great book called uh, the idea of a, you know, of a university and it's it's along those lines. So I I get it, like online, being stuck with online, they want a refund of some sort, less money, pay less.
2: What do you think? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be the old curmudgeon, get off my lawn here and (laughs) and just say, you know, unless it's for room and board, which I think that needs should be considered some refundable because if they had to go home or if they have to stay home, it's not fair that a college collect room and board. But right. other than that, I think it's – it's. look, if my friend who's a 75-year-old theology professor can learn how to do Zoom right. and still teach his class, then he still deserves to get paid. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's how I look at it.
1: Well, and, and I, I honestly wonder let, – let's be honest. There's, there's still a lot of college students that really don't go to the classes.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean – how many of these these students I mean maybe these are the 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 ones who were really diligent of course you know at seminary we we didn't have a choice in the matter you will be at class unless right. you're sick
2: right. you know
1: but um how many of these students didn't go to class anyway so it doesn't matter but yeah and it it, yeah, it it I think it's something colleges it's a longer discussion I in my opinion of what colleges and churches and businesses should think about is if this happens again say, in a year like they think it might, how do we better handle it and how do we make sure we are ready for it when that time comes? And part of that might be going to their professors and saying, "Okay, here's our expectations. Right. You will have live classes. You will answer students emails. You will, you know, as if they were sitting in front of you, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Right. Some of the some of the local colleges in the Boston area here have are planning to open, but they're telling the professors and I feel bad for the professors plan for both we have not decided what we're doing yet, so plan for both in-person and online classes, and be ready to switch from one to the other <laughs> at a moment's notice. It, so it, it's 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 a tough thing, but hopefully, given some time to prepare, that's going to be different. You know, one of the students' complaints is is not is is that it's not so much that it's a, it's online, but that the what they ended up getting was not even a live lecture; it was just a video, a recorded video with with no Hope for discussion and professors were unresponsive. Or another guy was suing because he's an aerospace engineering major and he couldn't. In the final project for senior final project is to build an airplane, and mm-hmm. you know he didn't get to do that. So maybe he should get some of the money for that back. You know, the uh, I'm sympathetic to to that.
2: I I can I can understand that, but the other side of that is they're going to let them you know go. I guess at the point where. They will still get credit for the class. They will still, they don't have to repeat anything. So I think in and of itself, that's worth the price of admission.
0: Right. That's the other side of the argument you got what you paid for, which is in one one sense is the the, the, the grade, you know, Um, you may not have gotten all the experience you hoped for, but there's no guarantee of that when you sign up anyway, I guess. Right. You know, you
2: have to show up to class to get it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I have to kind of laugh because I just today threw out all my old notes from seminary, and it's just like, <laughs> I haven't looked at these in 12 years. It's all I, in your head that, now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it, no, it, actually, it's all on that, that that wonderful friend we know as Google.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's right. There that's right. you go.
1: And, and Verbum Software and other places as well. I yes, mean, yes, that's true.
0: Uh, our next headline is uh, a little it, it's actually just a a, a little informational uh, article from CNET uh, says 3 Amazon Echo security features to use when you leave the house because we we can start doing that now in many places leaving the house. So uh and they wow. they really actually all tied up in in one major feature called uh Uh, I'm going to activate if I say it, but uh, echo guard, you say the other word, uh, the wake word. And what it is, is you just say the wake word echo. I'm leaving as you're walking out of the house. And it goes into a mode where it's monitoring for certain kinds of activity, like uh, smoke alarm noises, carbon monoxide alarms, breaking glass. And it will alert you if it detects anything like that while you're out, which is pretty cool. And then you can drop in, which is another feature that they talk about, but that's part of the uh, the Echo. Where you you say, um, you, you know, it says, "Hey, I've detected." You know, your, the app on your phone says, "I've detected breaking glass." You can drop in and listen if you have one of those, or if you have uh, an Echo that has a camera, uh, you know, an Echo Show, you can have it show you the room, like look through the camera. I I've, I don't leave my cameras active, so that would not work for me anyway. Um, and then you, you can also have um, echo uh do away lighting which is just like those old things that you used to get when you went on vacation that you put your plug your lamp into and it turned the lights on and off. This one does it but more randomly. So it's just a higher tech version of that. What do you guys think of this? Is it useful, gimmicky? What do you think?
1: I think it I think it sounds very useful. I actually I'm wondering if uh if other ones Siri or Google uh can do that because hmm. I can see that being a very beneficial thing where I've got you know, I've got the the Google Home assistance all over my house, and if someone breaks in to have it pick up, you know, there's odds are pretty good. There's going to be one close enough to pick up and send me a, "Hey, did you just drop a glass, or <laughs> did someone just break into your house?" You right, know,
0: right. <laughs> I,
2: I like I like them. It's just for me personally, it might be a little bit of overkill because I already have a um, a Nest. Carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. So I could see if I put on if I put on the a guard that all of a sudden all of my phone apps are going to start going wild saying something's happening. Something's happening. Right. <laughs> well, so it, yeah. it might be overkill. Yeah.
0: Although if the, if your smoke alarm, if your smoke detectors are going off, uh, if mine were because uh, I also have the Nest um, smoke detectors. I wouldn't mind getting alerts from both of them because that would mean that <laughs> they're both yep. working, you know, better to have True. a backup. One thing it's not a substitute for is a real home security system. Now, I don't, right. I, I don't know if everybody needs a home security system, but if you think you need one, you know, that, like I think this is a stopgap for someone who doesn't want to spend yep. the money on a home security right. system, but uh, it's certainly not a, you and, know, it, it, I don't think it's a bad thing to have.
2: Well, I, I have a secure. I do have one because it came with my house and we've upgraded it once. And I think that if something like this would be a lot less false positives Uh. than it would with a regular alarm system, because I know if I if my smoke detectors go off and it, it is connected to the system. I get a phone call from them and I say, No, no, it, we were just doing something, don't worry. We, we, we <laughs> <supper. Sorry. laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had to call the dogs off.
1: We burnt supper, sorry. Yeah, I've
2: had to call the dogs off a few times already. So yeah. <laughs> this might be a little bit better for those who don't want to spend that kind of money or didn't come with your house when you bought
1: it. Right. Them. Yep. Well, and if, if I'm not mistaken, you can get alarm systems that do tie into yes. the big three. Yes. So that you don't have to worry about ADT or when the other company is calling you. You get your assistant sending you a text message saying hey the window just opened up did you do that you know
0: right the echo works with amazon also owns ring and ring now has a security system so yeah it, they integrate i believe does uh google i think google does they I can't have a, if nest uh, yeah. or whoever it
1: is google has now
0: yeah i think they did i don't think apple has one but there are home kit compatible uh right uh home alarm systems too so the uh, yeah. the as usual, the home kit ones aren't at the level of the other ones yet, but they get there eventually, <laughs> maybe. Um, so, the, and then another headline is about a lawsuit in against the Internet Archive by the big book publishers, uh, the top four mm. book publishers. So, Internet Archive is a nonprofit organization; they're dedicated to getting as much. S- saving data, saving information, keeping it online, accessible to everyone. You, you, you probably know them if you know them at all from the Internet Wayback Machine, which saves old versions of websites. I've used it even for my own website when I've lost st- <laughs> my website is like 20 years old. So I've had stuff get, go missing from my <laughs> website at times, and I have had to rebuild it from that. And it's, it's invaluable. Uh, but wh- another part of it is something they call the open library. And that was speaking of copyrights and you know fair use and that sort of stuff from before th- what they've done in the past was they did control digital lending. They had books that were in copyright and books in public domain but but if they have books in copyright, they would have a physical copy of the book or multiple copies of it in a warehouse somewhere or you know on a shelf somewhere, yep. and then they would lend out a digital copy. To people, and as they could only lend out as many digital copies as they had physical copies. And uh, the book publishers sort of look the other way on that. There, There's an open question whether that's legal or w- within the bounds mm-hmm. of copyright law and all that sort of stuff. But the book publishers sort of look the other way. This is how public libraries work uh, in the sense of they buy so many digital copies. Uh, the, they buy digital copies and lend those out separately from the physical copies. We've talked about that before. Um, so the, what happened is when the coronavirus lockdown hit, uh, internet archive said, okay, we're just going to, we're, we're taking the limits off. We will loan out as many copies of these books as people want, because they're all stuck at home and looking for things to read. So there's no Mm -hmm. waiting list. And so it doesn't matter if they have one copy or 10 copies, they'll loan out a hundred copy, digital copies. Mm Uh, and that took the book publishers. It made I think in from my point of view, I think it forced the book publisher's hand because if they don't if they don't respond to this, that could set a legal precedent when somebody else goes and does something even more egregious and um, starts and they they go after them and they say, well, you didn't go after Internet Archive. What do you guys think of this? Uh, Is it the the, who, who do you who do you sympathize with here is. Uh, Internet Archive or the book publishers?
1: It's one of those, again, one of those 50-50 things. I, I can see like you with the book publishers just saying, okay, they had a physical copy of this book. This was just a scan of a physical copy of a book, and they are only letting one copy out. Now anybody can grab it. And they know darn well that if Internet Archive can do it, so can public libraries. And public right. libraries will do it in a heartbeat where they're like, hey, we don't have to restrict this anymore. And people want to read the latest whatever, Harry Potter right. or the latest Twilight or whatever. <laughs> and instead of having a waiting list for a year like some of those books did in yep. some libraries, they could just, hey, everybody can read it. Right. So why then why would you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any other bookstore and buy a physical copy of it? and you can just read the electronic copy for free or buy the Kindle version of it when you could just read it for free right and not have not have to wait
2: i think things that have happened around this this pandemic have always been in you know for the sake of others and i think the internet archive was trying to do that so i'm going to mm-hmm. want to sympathize with them and say look i don't think they were trying to usurp publishers per se i think they were just trying to fill a need for people and especially a lot of people who don't have the resources if they've been laid off or you know or in a lower class of of income that they can't get at these things and now their home's stuck right so i think they were trying to fill a void and you know they crossed the line so I'd, i'd 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 cut them some slack on it
0: right i i think um one of the arguments the internet archive made is is all these public libraries were closed people couldn't get to libraries they couldn't mm-hmm. they couldn't get mm-hmm. access to books unless they were willing to buy them uh and, and so this i think so they they were responding to a public need uh but and and they are a you know a non that relies that that does a good service and re- relies on the, the goodwill of of the public but the, the publishers have a have a pretty strong case. Uh, frankly, what I would rather see is that the publishers ha- would have done something along these lines to make books more accessible to folks who are stuck yeah. at home. But uh, we'll we'll have to see. This could be th- this sort of thing. If it goes against the Internet Archive in a bad way, could is the sort of thing that could destroy it. And I think uh, they, I think they made a precipitous decision to to do this uh, mm-hmm. when they did. So. We'll see how that how that uh, shakes out for them. Um, so uh, I think at this point we should go move on to our picks of the week, and uh, we uh, have some. Uh, let's see, Joanne, why don't you go first and give us your pick of the week?
2: Well, there are that one is is a general pick, the other one is specific to my state, but they're both apps, and they both have to do with. COVID symptoms and COVID tracking. Okay. I know some people don't want to do that. They don't want big brother up, (laughs) you know, knowing every single thing, but I think it's important right now because, uh, in the first one, which is the general one, the COVID symptom study, this is out of Harvard and it's with the national women's health. And what they're doing is trying to track people every day and how they're feeling. And every once in a while, they'll ask you questions like, Are you taking vitamins? Have you taken vitamins for the last three months? What ones have you taken? Because I think they're trying to see the correlation between certain um, vitamins and the virus. So they'll ask you questions, but the general ones is, have you, you know, how do you feel today? Have you had a test taken? And both my husband and I have had tests taken for various reasons. So I have that down and then it just says, how are you feeling? Fine, okay. And, and all it's doing is tracking. And then when your specific county reaches a certain level, then they will start to process all of it so that you can see the results. My county, unfortunately, is about, needs about 60 more people. So they want you to share it. But I believe in doing studies like this. I did the Apple Health study. I believe if I can help people in this way, it's, it's part of giving back to, you know, maybe, they'll, maybe it'll be quicker to find a cure. Um, the second one is specific to Rhode Island, and it's called Crush COVID RI. Yes, it's our it's our specific state uh, tracker, and it keeps a location diary as part of your, um, you know, our governor has told us to keep a, a contact tracing diary in case we do get it because the Department of Health will call us. And this one does do location tracking, but you have control of it. You can either... Send it to them if you should happen to get the virus, you know, so that they can go start contacting. Or you can read it to them. You don't have to, you know, send it to them. And again, it does symptom tracking. It gives you all kinds of helpful things. But this is a specifically Rhode Island state statewide. We've got about 41,000 downloads on it she'd like to see a little bit more. So I, I, I have no pro I have no problem with this basically because I just have the opinion. I have nothing to hide. So I have no problem. You want to know where I've been. I've been to work and I've been home and I've been to the grocery store. There you go. (laughs) But I think for some people, I mean, this is a way for people to get involved, you know, with with helping this crisis and hopefully come up with some kind of solutions cures. Treatments, whatever. So I just put it out there for folks who are like minded like me. And the rest of you, you can all stay in your little bubbles. That's fine. <laughs>
0: okay. By the Corey, what's your
1: pick? So my pick's a little bit different than what usually do for for technology. Um, I've got a portable sound system that I use for different events relating to the church. One of the big ones we do a, a pub trivia, trivia at the local brewery, and uh, recently a, a wireless microphone died that I was using, and of course you know it's easy to it's easier to use a wireless microphone when you're doing events like that cuz then you can walk around i use my ipad with bluetooth to do some music and stuff and it it works pretty well so i found this on amazon it is the it's from a company called tonor which is probably one of these unknown name companies that exist of you know stuff from china but it's a really good dual wireless microphone setup it's a 900 megahertz uh uhf wireless dual setup It does a great job. It sounds good, and it's $75 on Amazon. Wow. It's cheap, and you could do either both microphones plugged in separately, where it's got two, like an A and B jack, or you can do the middle jack, which does both of them off the same mixer uh, channel. So you could either do the dual channels, the, the split channels, or the one channel for both microphones, and you can adjust the volume on the front of it and everything. It's all digital, so it's got a digital display on both the microphone and the, the and the, the receiver showing what channel you're on, what what frequency you're on and everything. It's something like 20, 20, uh fifteen frequencies per mic that you can you can do. So, you know, nine hundred is a fairly common frequency, so you might get some interference, but then you just hit the button on the microphone a couple of times and flips over to a different channel and it does it automatically. You don't have to set it on the microphone and then set it on the receiver. It's just, you hit the button and the microphone and the receiver says, okay, change channel, and it flips over. Nice. And you can do, there are different frequencies for each microphone, and it, so it really, it works great. I've been using it now for a couple of months and have had absolutely no problems with this thing whatsoever. It sounds good, and it sounds good in the brewery, which is a noisy environment. You know, this mm-hmm. is not a not a church where it's fairly quiet. This is, you know, <laughs> people are talking and everything, and, I have had no problems with it with feedback. I've had no problems with it with, uh, again, picking up people around. It just works. It just sounds good. It works great. And it's relatively cheap. $75 for a dual microphone wireless system. If you're looking for something like this for a church, I can see this being great for a church. If you don't want to wire up, you know, your your Ambo and things like that, this would be a good way to do it. Um, Stuff like that. So, yeah, it's like I said, the Tonor, t- T-O-N-O-R wireless dual wireless microphone
0: awesome the so my pick is uh, a tech bag so you know if you have a if you have a A bag a laptop bag you know again when you're going out of the house someday and taking your laptop with you again um often a lot of us had tech you know our our laptop bag or other you know ipad bag or whatever and all these cables just thrown in the bottom they all get tangled you can never find the one you want well and i've spent years trying different ways of organizing my cables in my bag and uh, this has worked out really well so it's a the ucool cable organizer electronics accessory case rolls off the tongue and uh it it it's a zipped open case, so it opens up and lies flat. And on each side, it has elastic bands, little places to stick things in, little pockets. Um, it's got a lot of different places for, for a bunch of cables and different uh, uh, down, dongles and uh, charging uh, packs and all sorts of stuff like that, that room for that. And one of the best parts of it that I like is the fact that the interior is bright green. I don't know why <laughs> all these laptop bag makers make their interiors dark <laughs> with this dark material where you can't like, especially like if you have dark cables against a dark background and you can't see anything in it. Uh, so it's, it's, it, the it's comes like this lime green exterior, the outside's black, but the exterior is lime green. And so it, the, everything stands out clearly against it. So you can see what you're doing, even if the, if the, if you're in a low light situation and it's 10 bucks and it's it's a it's a great little solution for, for just 10 bucks. I keep it in my bag. It's got all the cables in it. Nicely organized. I take it out um, and I can find what I want, you know, extremely quickly. And uh, it's it's a great little bag. So that's my pick of the week. All right, uh let's wrap things up there. I guess uh we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including David A., Jeff K, Jonathan K, and Mark Mark R and Ronald B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear your take on the various things we discussed. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and the picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you've not yet done so, please write it right away. Do it right now. Subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications. And until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Technology.
2: Thanks, Dom.
0: Father Corey Stika, thank you as well.
2: Well, thank you, Dom.
0: And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.